Oh, man. Oh, 2022, we did it. We made it, huh? How about it? I was thinking this a minute ago about, I thought it was such a big deal when it hit 2,000. Remember, remember that? That was 22 years ago. How does that make y'all feel? Woo! 22 years ago. Y2K and all that stuff, huh? That was something else. That was a bunch of nothing, wasn't it? Oh, well. We were all worried about it, though. We were pretty... Never mind, that's probably a whole sermon in and of itself about anxiety and not worrying about things. We have a few people who are, other people who are sick. Miss um, Val is not feeling well, and Trudy has um, COVID, so I can share, I guess. Anyway, so there's just some prayers they're doing. So let's just, let's just continue to pray. Lord, I just want to just speak the word that, that Jerry read earlier, Lord, that you are life uh, into these bodies, Father, that, that you are not death, that you... The very essence of your being is is a, is life. That's that, this is who you are. You th- there is no life without you, and so Lord, we just speak um, the name of Jesus, the Lord, the King, into their bodies and the life that's in it, and um, for those around him that are, that, that are helping them with it for for strength and uh, for protection from these diseases, Lord. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for your life. Let us anyone else who's in here who's not feeling well, or let them just be filled with your life, God. Let the life uh, the life of the God of the cosmos fill every cell in our bodies and just bring complete and total health in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord and the King Jesus, amen. All right. If you want to turn to Philippians chapter 2, I had a message pretty much prepared and then David and David screwed it up last week, so actually the Holy Spirit. I know, I know. I don't know, for the few, for the, for the few of you who braved coming last week, I'm just kidding. I know that we had a lot going on and people were out of town and stuff. Um, David did, you did the shepherd's blessing, right? No, you did, the, you did communion and, and David Brangenberg did the shepherd's blessing. Well, strike one. All right, it doesn't matter. One of them got up, which now I know is, was David Brangenberg. And he read Philippians chapter 2 for the shepherd's blessing. And I thought that was interesting because some of the stuff that I've been wrestling and the Lord's been sh- showing to me and speaking to me was in that passage. And then David Burgess gets up and he decides that the Lord has told him to read Philippians chapter 2. And I thought, okay, well, you know, one of the big things that we do as we get together and as we're family together, a part of Christ's body, a big part of it is hearing from God, right? Like what is God speaking to us? It's not just about getting together and singing a few songs and hearing a sermon and moving on. It's like, is God speaking something to our little family that we have here? And if he is, what is he speaking? And then hopefully, what are we going to do about it, right? <laughs> like, and so I just felt really in my heart like God wanted us to kind of go and to, to, to study this a little, to dive a little deeper into this passage. And I don't want to just kind of brush past it. Like, I just, like, God, if you're using this as we go into this new year to speak some things to us, not only does it matter what like, I say from the Lord today, it matters what God gives you all from the Lord and what we share among each other, right? Like, that, that's huge. Um, even as we do, we'll do at the end of this message, we'll take a few minutes to be still before the Lord. If God's speaking to something to you about this passage that you feel like we, that's, that we need to share with us, then share it, right? I'm not talking about like 10 mini sermons, but you know, uh, you know, if you feel like God's giving you something, of course, if the Holy Spirit has 10 mini sermons, you all ready? You all ready for that? No. <laughs> if he was like, you know what, today we're going to do it. 
Covey got real excited, and the rest of us was like, oh, boy. I'm just kidding. But seriously, like if the Lord has something, we want to we want to do that. We want we want to hear from God. And then I'm going to just encourage us to after after this message is over and through the week, why don't we study this and read it? Maybe we get back together, message me, call me, encourage me. Let's encourage one another. Like what is God speaking to us? So let's read it. Um, in Philippians, I'll just really quickly. He's writing this in where? Where is he at? In prison. All right. There is a small. So, yes, yes. so he's in prison, all right? Um, he's in prison, and yet Paul's saying things like, hey, I'm glad that I'm here, because why? Because the gospel's spreading. Like, because of Paul's there, people are, it's actually getting spread more. And I think that that's huge to what we're going to share today or what we're going to read today, because Paul's not just going to tell people to go do something that he's not willing to do. He's not like the Pharisees who Jesus said, you know, you listen to them and they tell you what's right, but they wouldn't lift a finger to actually help you do anything. Paul's like going to talk to us about how Jesus completely emptied himself while he's in a prison cell going, it's cool, I'm good. Could you imagine having that, that, that type of a mentality? And this is part of what we're talking about today. Like, How much does it matter that God's glorified with our lives? This is, I've been, I've been thinking about this. Like, is, is it such, so of vital importance, so matters more than anything that I'm willing, hey, if me sitting in a jail cell glorifies God somehow, then of course I would do it. it I fought over the last year, I, I don't do resolutions, like, like, but there's nothing wrong with them, like Andrew. I do mild suggestions that I might possibly change something in my life, and I'm just kidding. Um... I do self-reflection at this time of year. Does anybody else do that? Does anybody, like, that's, that's my big thing. Uh, I don't journal. I just kind of do it mentally, and I, and I just, I look back every year, and I go, really, here's the, the, the last song we sang was so perfect. I always go, how much more like Jesus am I this year than last year? That's, like, my big thing, and I look at my life, and I see, like, even this year, like, some areas of growth, and I see areas where I've actually slid back. Like, I, I, I've noticed several areas this year where I'm like, man, I was a lot stronger in this area in my life than this last year. I don't know what happened. I don't know what I allowed to happen. And part of that was actually even, I mean, I guess it's opened my personal self up. I feel like I've grown more selfish this year. I just do. Like, I just, like, look back and I go, well, that was kind of selfish, and so was that. And, man, I feel like I was living for people and God a little more in this area, but over here I'm doing this. And, I'll, and that's why I think this passage just so kind of erupted when I heard David and David share it, and I've been thinking, man, like, all right. And it's not to beat myself up and to go, like, stick my head in a box and bang, bang it, bang a thing against the box. I don't know why I had that image in my head, but that, you know, I don't know. But that was, I, okay, I'm done. Thank you, Beverly. It's not for that purpose, but so that we can grow, so that I can grow. So Paul's writing this in a prison cell. Okay, so, so captured with Jesus and his kingdom and the king, so laid down that he's like, I'm, I'm going to stay here, and that's fine. If, God's, if the kingdom and the gospel is getting spread, I'm okay with that. Then right before he starts in chapter 2, which we're going to read 11 verses maybe, maybe 12, 13, maybe I'll steal someone's sermon for next week. I don't know, even though I'm preaching. <clears throat> that's an inside joke because I stole Greg's sermon a few weeks ago. But right before he gets to chapter 2 in verse 29, he says, For he has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. Since you were having the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. 
So Paul's encouragement as we go into this section of this passage is like they are having persecutions. And you see that in Paul. And Paul says this really interesting phrase like, hey, y'all, you don't only have the privilege of believing like we have, but you also have the privilege of suffering for Christ. I would like to say we know what he's talking about, but that would, it's not true. Like, in the sense of like, we don't really know what it feels like. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, if you've had a loss or something and someone's like, oh, I understand. And you're like, no, you don't. You've never been in this. I really don't know. I don't think any of us know what it feels like to have this type of suffering and persecution. But Paul's telling them that, hey, this is a privilege. This is a privilege. And as he says that, he goes into chapter two that says, Verse 1, I'll start there. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. It's interesting because at the very beginning of Philippians, Paul says, I have all this joy when I pray for you, Philippians. So now all of a sudden he's already talked about the joy he has with them, but now he's saying fill the cup up, complete it. Like I have joy, but there's more, there's more to be completed. And what does that look like? What does he call, like this is a church that's going through persecutions and seem to be doing pretty well and he's encouraging them. And yet he's saying, I do have something more for you to grow in. There's, there's some area for you all to, to, to come together more. And that is what this, this idea of, of being in union with one another, sharing in the Spirit of God, right? Having, I'm just going to read it one more time. My joy be complete by doing what? How is his joy going to be fulfilled? By the Philippians having the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That is like maybe simple to grasp in your mind, but that is not an easy thing to accomplish. Have you all thought about that? Like unity, walking together, right? He's not calling them to be drones to where everyone looks exactly the same and we do everything exactly the same. Why do I know that? Because Paul talks about the body being different, right? I mean, we can go read many passages about Paul talking about the body and having different parts and these different things. And yet when they come together, something beautiful happens. If we're having the same mission, if we're on having the same purpose, if we're listening to God together. And this is something that I, um, like whenever we did prayer and fasting, in the fall, I'm going to say it a thousand times, I'll say it a thousand more times, it doesn't stop there. We continue to pray and fast. And I love what God's doing here in this family in the way he's led us and he's leading us, uh, Mitchell Nielsen, and doing some different things like this. Let's not, qu- let's not stop the prayer and fasting. Let's not stop listening to God together. Let's not stop walking with what God's calling us to do. Let us have the same heart, the same love, the same mind. See, I was thinking about this and how, like, the different parts of the body work together. And I don't know why. You know, I just think of stuff. I think of boxes on my head and banging them and just weird things. But we were playing a game the other night over here and having to do word associations and stuff, and I really weird, realize how weird I am sometimes when they're like, how do you, what? But this one's not really weird. For some reason, when I thought about unity and diversity of gifts, I was thinking about back in college, in high school, when I was in, in, rock, in bands. Man, I was rocking, you know? Uh, anyone, how many, you have a lot of instrument players, singers here and stuff like that. So some of you all might understand what it feels like. There's a couple different types of groups that I was in. There was one that you had the diva that wrote all the songs, and when you got together with him or her, they just told you how they needed it to be played. 
were like that. The di- he's not here, but my brother was the diva. But he was a much better player than I am. There's no doubt about it. Like, I will give him that all day long. I had sports. He had music. And I would rather have had music because I can still do music and I don't really sport much anymore. Kind of. Maybe a little can jam on the beach, right, right? Uh, a little bocce ball. But that, that's how that worked. And, like, it was fine. It was fun to kind of jam and to play some, you know, whatever. But it wasn't that exciting. It was one person kind of leading the way with the flag saying, this is the way we're going to go. But my favorite bands that I was in was in was some of the ones I have few where we came from really different like stylistic backgrounds, right? Like someone there's some commonalities, but someone might have been like heavily jazz influenced, and then someone was like, oh, I love like melodic rock or something like that. And then we would just get together and write music together. And we I'd be like, oh man, I got this bass, you know, or something like that. And then and then oh yeah, that's cool. Hey, try it this way. And I'm like, okay, dun 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 dun. Mm-mm. And then you got the then the drummer's like, like, dude, bro, that's killer, right? And like, it's great. And like, all of a sudden, like, you write this song, and you're like, I would have had no idea it would have come out like that. You ever have you been in like in that kind of a situation? Maybe it's at work or something like that, right? And you guys are getting together as a team, and you had this idea of what it was going to look like, and then all these different people came together, and it looked even better. Now sometimes it looks really worse, and you're like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> been a part of groups like that before, right? But there are those beautiful moments where the pieces all come together, and that's what I think Paul sees the body of Christ like. He sees the body of Christ in this, this idea, this idea of calling them to unity and to one mind, to have that kingdom purpose, but to bring their gifts to that purpose, to work together even with the diversity of backgrounds. I mean, we have a lot of diverse backgrounds even here, Right? And we're part of the Murfreesboro and part of the worldwide body of church, uh, you know, right? This is not, it's not all about Stones River, but even here, like we have so many, we have people that come from different church backgrounds. Even since I've been here, we've had people that have left here because we're not politically conservative enough. We've had people who have left here because we're not politically liberal enough. (laughs) It's just the reality. It's so, it's got this interesting like mix that we have here and I love it. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But I, I thought, I mean, I thought this, I thought about this this morning. I was really thinking about the cool idea of this, this body of Christ that Paul's calling them to come together, having that same mission, having that same mind. And I was thinking to myself, you know, it's, it's not just, like I said, us just all, you know, sometimes we get those people in our lives where we just agree with a lot of what they say, Right. You ever get to those, even like you go, you ever found like a new group of people? Maybe it's a church. Maybe it's just a hobby or something that you do. And you get there and you're like, man, we are on the same page here. And you're fired up. And then you notice six months later, you're not quite as on the same page as you thought that you were on. And then another month later, you're like, oh, dang, I didn't know they believed that. And then a little bit later on, you're like, oh, man, I'm not so sure about that. We are never going to find the most perfect group of people that that agree with every single thing that we think. And that's awesome. That's why we have to lean on Holy Spirit to bring us together. But I, I just know, I just felt that this morning so deep because I had someone even recently like come to the group, of, you know, the bread stuff and like, man, this is my tribe. This is it. And within like a month, we we're like, well, we don't agree on that. And we don't agree. Like, like their family thought this is it. I've been waiting this my whole life. I found my tribe. And yet, yeah, we, and the cool thing is, is they still hang out with us and we still do things together. Even though we really realize, oh, we don't agree on everything. 
So we, what do we do? We share in the Spirit, and we pray through these things. We work together when we have disagreements. The Holy Spirit will bring us together, right? When we come together to have that same love and that same mind, all that stuff Paul talks about at the beginning, then we receive that encouragement from Christ, the consolation from love. A lot of us need that consolation. We receive that sharing of the Spirit, the compassion, sympathy that can only come through body, life together. That's it. We have to have that. And then he says in verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. This is what I need to hear this, right? But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. I like what uh, David uh, Burgess said last week. Yeah, it was last week. When he said, when it comes to selfishness, it's not about thinking of yourself um, less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, right? Is that what you said? Meaning like, it's not that I go around and go, I'm the worst. John's the worst. But whenever we begin to live this lifestyle that Christ has, this, this selfless lifestyle where we care about others, maybe we don't, I don't think about John as much. <laughs> maybe I'm thinking about Mike a little more and Lisa a little bit more. I'm thinking about Jerry's needs and Beverly's needs a little bit more than what, I, than what, I've, what I've done in the past. And we know that when we want to ha- if you want to have that body life that we, walk he- that we walk in one accord and we walk together, we can't do things from selfish ambition. Stones River can't even do things like, oh, yeah, well, we got this right. And like, look down, like we are part of, I'm going to eventually, sometime, well, I don't, never mind. I better be quiet because I've got a whole message and I'm about to go into it. So let me just go backwards and take a drink of coffee. But selfish ambition, we, I mentioned this two weeks ago, I think, is that that's that propping of ourselves up. And when we do that, we're pushing others down. And we've, I mean, who, everyone's done it. Come on, don't act like you haven't. Don't act like you didn't say, well, sister so-and-so is a gossip because you just felt good that you're not. Of course, then you're gossiping right there whenever you're saying that, probably. Fight has caught yourself. <laughs> but I've done that. Like, I'm being real. Like, I've, I've done those kind of things, you know. The key really is that, that end of that phrase and then going into the next one, which I'll share. I'm going to read verse 3 again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, and then it goes on to what? So what's the remedy for that? In humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, or not only, depends on the translation, I'm not getting into that, but also to the interest, or but to the interest of others. This right here is a foundational piece for the kingdom of God. (laughs) This is, this, is, this is absolutely critical and absolutely completely different than the way the world operates. Like, I think we are in almost unprecedented times of selfishness and self-absorption that we can have. Like, really? Like, the way devices and stuff work? Like, seriously, I don't have to interact. I can have jobs where I'll hardly interact with people. Like, I can completely almost always do my own thing, my own way, and think about not only that, but think about like the marketing and how like, oh my gosh, I can go on Amazon and get whatever I want right now at a pretty good price and I can have it in, in like an hour or two if I want to pay a little bit extra money most of the time. Like it's, it's crazy. Like I was just thinking about this, like we live in a society that if we want to be self-absorbed, it hands it to us in an, on an absolute silver platter and goes, here you go, John, you know, you can have this. And yet the way the kingdom says, wait, stop worrying about your own interest. If you want to really live, if you want to have life like Jesus did, start acting like Jesus. Put others' interests before your own. And I, I mean, I've thought about myself too, and I've recognized even like that goes, even though this is hugely important that we put 
our, in, you know, our wives, our spouses, our, our kids' interests, but it also goes beyond that, right? Like, what about our workplaces? What about, you know, our city? What about the gyms that we work out in? Like, is, it, Jesus's lifestyle was a lifestyle where he said, no, you know what? I'm going to stop worrying about myself. God will take care of me. That's what he did. He trusted that if he lived a life where he was caring about other, caring about other people's needs, that the Father would take care of him and they would be good to go. What would, what would we show the world if we really came together? If the Murfreesboro Church came together to say, we're going to live a lifestyle where we start really becoming intentional about yielding to what the Spirit wants to do by serving people and serving others and caring about their needs, Right? over our own needs. That's what it says. I'm not saying that you need to let yourself go and stop taking showers and all this kind of stuff, right? Okay? We always, people jump to these extremes, you know. But if we began to just practically, like, I, that's, that's a practical thing that I thought about, like, as I go into this year as I've done self-reflection, what can I do that I, I begin to very practically start thinking about the impact that I can make on other people's lives. I like what Greg shared that his friend said. Um, we were talking about Stones River and he said, you know, oftentimes when churches think about the church that they're in, they think, what does Stones River look like? And I like what he says. He says, well, actually, what if we ask the question, what does our city look like based on what we do, right? It goes away from us focusing on, well, we have to have this in this way and do this, this. And it begins with others in mind before it begins with us in mind. And going like, I would love to say, what does Murfreesboro look like in a year from now as we potentially, could we dream with God for what he might want to do through us? What could, we, what could we potentially be celebrating next year? You know, of somebody's life, some people's lives, a community's life's changed. Because we chose to just yield ourselves. Uh, um, I've been, this one verse has haunted me since I, not one verse, it's not a verse, a saying, has haunted me since I, and I, truly haunted me, I think, not, not in a really bad way, maybe. Haunted is a bad word, probably, so. Anyways, words sometimes, I make up words and just do weird stuff with them. But when I heard that, you know, D.L. Moody didn't come up with this quote, but he heard it from somebody else that roughly says, we've, you know, what would happen if some man, if a person gave their life entirely to God? Like, and Moody said, I want to be that man. Like, and I've been like, since I was a young, like since I was 17 or 18, I thought, man, I want to, and I'm 20 years removed from that. And I'm still going, nope. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I haven't given a hundred percent of my life to God. Like, I just, I, I say that, but like, I mean, have I really just said, Lord, you're mine. Can I really sit in a prison cell and go, God, this is awesome because you're being glorified. I'm good. It's good. It's good, Lord. What would, I, what would it look like for me to become like Christ in that sense of doing what he did, putting the interest of others in front of his own? Verse 5, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. That's a big, that's, that's huge. <laughs> He's telling the Philippians as a, as a family, as a group of people, Y'all, let that same mind, the same attitude, let that be in you that Christ has, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited or grasped at. So undoubtedly, Paul has in mind, in my, thought, in my opinion, Adam, the first Adam, and, and Christ as the final Adam. And what did Adam and Eve, what happened in the garden? They were told, you can be more like God. You're missing out, all this stuff. What did they do? Yes, I'm going to grasp at that. I'm going to take the fruit, and I'm going to eat it, and I'm going to do my thing. 
and Jesus to be the remedy for that, which spread to all mankind, and the reason we struggle with what we struggle with so many times, except for we're new creations, so let's not always make those excuses. But, um, but the remedy for that was for him in his divinity to actually say, I'm not going to grasp at this equality with God, I don't, that, whatever. I'm actually going to instead do a complete reversal, and I'm going to empty myself entirely. That's mind-blowing to think about. To think about he's going to heal what humanity did wrong, as uh, Andrew was talking about earlier, and he's going to bring healing by totally flipping the script on even how we even picture what life is and how living goes. So even though he had all the power, all the divinity, it says he, in verse 7 it says, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, that trips me out just thinking of God being willing to be born as his own creation, right? Like, in their mess. Like, and I just thought about this. Like, how easily would Jesus be able to, God be able to just be like, you know what? They, they've just got it wrong, man. I'm just going to, like, how many, like, they just believe the wrong political things. is their fault. Don't act like you haven't said that. Oh, man, well. They just don't know how to, how to handle their money. It's their own fault. How many, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't sit up there and, and blame them, blame the paradigms and the way that we think. He said, all right, well, what if I go and I try to ignite change by emptying myself, by becoming like them? Maybe, what if I became poor like them so that I could help them in their poverty? It's I just almost want to weep when I think of Jesus and what he did and how he's just, it's so revolutionary. This way of the kingdom is so revolutionary. It's just mind-blowing. And why, when I read this, my fire comes into my heart and I want to be like this. And then Monday morning, I don't, then my flesh wants to go, well, I don't know, John, you don't really believe all that, do you? He was willing to be born like that, um, to be found in human form. He humbled himself. And this is just an unbelievable and became obedient to the point of death, even death on, a, death on a cross. So to remedy what Adam did in that desire and grasping for divinity, he not only was emptied himself, he showed that even though he was born like us in flesh, he could be obedient to what the Father in everything that he did. I just, that absolutely trips me out to think of how, I mean, how many opportunities do I have to not be obedient to the father? I mean, I, all the time, right? And I'm like, well, sorry, Lord. But like, he literally chose to walk in that. And I just know it's because he, uh, he had that pair. He understood this was life. This is what matters. These people are what matters. This, what, I have, uh, I'm going to live here 30 something years. Okay. There's, there's something a lot more to this. I don't, I don't want to lay on my deathbed and go, man, I just didn't give God my all. And I have to admit, that's what I would have to say right now. <laughs> if I was like, I'd be like, man, I gave him 80%, 70%. Man, I want to be able to, I want to be able to say that not for my glory, but just because he does, he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. He became obedient even to the point of an, inju- unju- an unjust death. He was, it, this, like he died as a criminal and he wasn't. Like, can you imagine that? And here's, it's even crazier that, could you imagine being in his situation that says he didn't even open his mouth because he knew it was the will of the Father? Like, he didn't scream, no, this injustice is happening to me! And, and hey, there are times whenever we have to, that you can do that, okay? I'm not saying that that's, but in this situation, like, he knew it was the will of the Father. And he said, you know what? Okay, 
I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to whine about it. I'm going to become obedient. I'm going to crush that spirit in Adam that spread to mankind so much that I will walk in obedience to the Father. Even whenever I die for something I didn't even do, I'll still do it. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Sorry, I don't want to try not to get emotional, but I just, Jesus is so amazing. And then in the next verse, and we'll just kind of end in the last three verses. And when I thought about this, I, I, you ever have those movies? I love movies with a crazy twist ending. Do you? I, I love them. I'm all over them. That's why, I mean, how many of us watch Lost, right? Because we love those little twists that was going on in that show. You're like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Love it. I love a movie that blows my mind at the end. I'm like, oh, I've never seen this. It's almost like this twist ending to this story. That this, 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 this God who empties himself comes and, and walks in this obedience to the Father and is slandered and people laugh at him and people make fun of him and people uh, shove a crown of thorns on his head and people yell crucify him and he dies a criminal's death. And you're like, what was your life for? Like, you, you, you preached to crowds, you hung out with 12 people, and those people, one of them hanged himself, and the rest of them are running away? For the most part, John was there. But for the most part, the women that you were with, a couple of them are there, but people have, they've ran away. Like, what, you, your life was pointless. And then in the great twist of it all, when the, I'm sure when the enemy thought, oh, man, we did it. All right. It says, therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What does that tell you about God's kingdom? That's, that's what I've been... What does that tell you about what he sees in his kingdom, how he pictures what his desire for his kingdom to look like is. That's why Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest, then be the greatest servant. I've read that a thousand times. I've preached that 400 times. and I still don't live that. <laughs> I still don't live. If I want to be greatest in God's kingdom, then I will serve more than any of you all. <laughs> that we will try to outdo one another in serving and doing good for one another. That we flip that script. It's not about me. It's about me making, helping Larissa to become the best whatever in the kingdom that she can be. And Jerry and Beverly, like my life laying down so that they can just excel at the giftings and things that God, and then they lay their life down for me. And we all do this together because that's his kingdom. That's what it's like. Wow. Isn't that incredible? <sighs> let's pray and let's listen to the Lord too. Um, actually, I'll pray in a second. Let's, if you haven't been here, we, we've been taking some time to take, let me have my phone, take a couple minutes and just listen to the Lord. Hopefully we are, that's what we're doing right now, but just to also just meditate on what the passages that we've read this morning. So take two minutes and just listen.
All right. Does anybody have anything they felt like the Lord's given them for the for us? So, a couple of nights ago, I started a parody comedy show on Netflix called Death to 2021, um, which apparently is a sentiment that many people are feeling, and I was reminded of it this morning with the blessing. Um, and I, I've been struggling with my difficulty understanding what that means. Um, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a positivity guy. That's not my strong suit. Um, uh, my, my spiritual gifts and a lot of my sins are rooted in a more critical, darker view of humanity. And that's just, that's just how I'm built. That's how I'm wired. Um, and and I kind of cringe at, at some of the smiley positivity branding of, of the gospel that happens uh, in, in our culture. But really and truly, church, I am struggling to see um, how there isn't a demonic element to the radical negativity that is dominating our culture, not just, not just our relationships with each other, but, but now even wanting to throw an entire year away. And, and, and at this church, at least, at this church, I want to remind you that we walked and prayed and walked and prayed and fasted and prayed and God opened a door for us in 2021. That in the midst of all the suffering, and that's the thing, I, I don't, I don't want to fail to empathize with the suffering that death to 2021 um, signals. I don't think it's a failure of empathy, though, because I think I think God values the suffering of 2021 as much as the suffering of any other year, as much as, as, much as the suffering of the year that's coming. And John's message helped me connect the dots. I was, I was struggling. Um, if, if Paul can languish in chains and rejoice in the gospel, we can languish in a pandemic and sickness and death and personal loss and economic hardship and inflation and frustration and disappointment politically and disappointment relationally and, and everything else. We can languish in those chains and rejoice in the gospel and know that there is hope because of who Jesus is in the midst of that. So I just want to commend to us, not... I. I'm not trying to come down on you if you've had a hard year and, and you're glad to see it go. I'm trying to commend to us hope for the future, not because it's going to be awesome, but because however it turns out, however it turns out, we can have this same mind among us that Jesus also had that said, I will live in that mess for the glory of God. And I... I love you all and I look forward to it, 
uh, even if we don't know how it's going to turn out in 2022. I look forward to being in it with you. All right, that was amazing. Any, anybody else? That was a perfect yes. Do you want to know? 